If you really take God's word seriously, God will reveal these things to you. You're justified by faith, by faith alone. The desire for spiritual growth through Christ-mindedness. Insights on biblically inspired faith consciousness and how the virtue of Christ helps us relate to the world around us. Welcome to the Spiritual Renewal Podcast with your host, George Vasquez. It's very easy to lose your faith in a Christian bookstore. Number one is the bling. Alright, you get this big old cabinet full of these beautiful diamond inlaid crosses and gold and like this, you know, and it's like, and the price tags, you know, $1,500, you know. I'm going, what the heck? These people are banking on Jesus. And you, you got to wonder, like, wow, what is a heresy? At what point am I going to a church and they're teaching me something that goes against the truth of God's word, the Bible? Solo Scriptura. <coughs> some people say this means that thing, and some people say this same thing means another thing. And then uh, you're going, you're caught in the middle, and your head's going. What is it then? Is it, does it mean that, or does it mean this? What's the truth? Walter Martin, in his book *The Kingdom of the Cults*, writes, "While I'm in agreement that, in general, the cults represent the." earnest attempt of millions of people to find the fulfillment of deep and legitimate needs of the human spirit, which most of them seem not to be said. It has been wisely observed by someone that a man who will not stand on something is quite likely to fall for almost anything. So I have elected to stand on the ramparts of biblical Christianity as taught by the apostles, defended by the church fathers, rediscovered by the reformers, and embodied in what is sometimes called reformed theology. The word theology mean, is made up of two words, theo and ology, right? Ology means a study of, theo means God, the study of God. In the preface to his text, these also believe, Dr. Charles Braddon says, by the term cult, I mean nothing derogatory to any group so classified. A cult, as I define it, is any religious group which offers significantly in one or more respects as a belief or practice from those religious groups which are regarded as the normative expression of religion in our total culture. The five solas, Martin Luther was one of the great reformers, him along with another man named Wesley, Jacob Arminius, John Calvin, all great reformers that changed the way religion developed in the last 500 years. So here in the story of Abraham, it's chapter 22, verse 1, it says, And now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. 
And then he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, the one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, and he saddled his donkey, and he took his son, his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and rose and went to the place which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw a place afar off, and Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we'll come back to you. And so Abraham took the word of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took a fire, and in his hand, a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, uh, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the firewood is here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to a place which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the ladder. Do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. This is a uh, fascinating story, and it, it's touched many of the church fathers very deeply. In fact, Martin Luther was one that spent a really long time studying from Genesis. Another uh, book that he studied a lot was from Romans. Another book that he studied a lot from was Psalms. And interestingly enough, between these books, and Galatians, by the way, between these particular books, he developed a thesis, which in you know, a thesis is, is a, uh, a statement that tells you a very fundamental principle and then lays it all out for you. And what, he's, what he did with that uh, fundamental uh, th thesis or study is he came to a revelation of God. As theologians, that's what happens in our own personal life. I think that it happens over and over in a person's life when they really take the study of God's Word seriously. If you really take God's Word seriously and you study it deeply, God will reveal these things to you, just like He did to the great forefathers many hundreds of years ago, Martin Luther being one of them. And one of the things that was revealed to him was this, um, the very basic pillars of what the church believes. And last week we talked a little bit about the, uh, the five solas. In fact, we went into quite, quite deep detail. 
We had solified, that's by faith alone, sola scriptura, by scripture alone, sola Christus, which that is uh, through Christ alone, sola gratia, by grace alone, and sola de gloria, that means glory to God alone. Five basic pillars that found the church. Now, interesting, when I started looking at solified, or by faith alone, I started thinking about all the normal scriptures that you're probably thought about when you think about faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, right off the top of your head. What is faith? Faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? And it, it, what's interesting about um, that particular angle of it is solified, means faith by faith alone. What by faith alone was my question. It is by faith alone, but what by faith alone? And this is, it, it all comes under the heading of salvation because all the five solas regard what we call soteriology or the study of salvation. So what uh, Lutheran, uh, Martin Luther was studying was he was studying salvation. Now faith itself, that comes from the Greek word, it's pistis. I like that word because it reminds me of a piston. Pistis. It's like a piston. You know, I often wonder if some of these guys that invented motors and engines and stuff, maybe they just got the ideas from the Bible. You know, like, hey, we'll call it a piston. You know? Another one, uh, spirit is prenuma. Right? You, you, have you ever heard of a, a pneumatic tool? A pneumatic tool is one that works on an air compressor, right? God says he breathed, that's the spirit, right? So there's a lot of uh, uh, interesting connections that sometimes I make. I don't know, I'm that kind of uh, mechanically inclined, you know, to just, just see that, but I could see some air pushing a piston. Huh? Interesting, the spirit, right, P pushing a piston, or the faith. It's like a machine. You see, this uh, justification is only for believers. If you do not believe in Jesus, you are not justified. There is no pardon. It, does, it can't happen. It's got to be through faith and through faith alone. Without faith, you got nothing. Nothing at all. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Okay, here's how this works. You know this verse well enough, but how does justification and God's accounting as righteousness fit into this verse? Including faith alone, by faith alone alone ultimately it's the power of God God has power that means judicial power which means he's in a position to issue anything he wants to any person he wants okay think about it that way he's the man in the driver's seat he's the one in control power over everything the gospel is the power of God. What gospel do you believe? Mm. 
See, I'm telling you, you can go into a, uh, any church, and it might be some weird church, but if they're not preaching the right gospel, you could be involved in a cult. False teaching. You should know the gospel before you leave here. You should know the gospel as it pertains to the power of God and the power of God over your life to save you. <coughs> to save you. There's things involved in that. Forgiveness. And two specific things are justification and imputation. So, here's what happens. All of my sins he bears. It goes up to him. It goes on to him. Then he dies. That's the, the price is paid. It's finished, right? It's over. It's done. Then he's resurrected. Now, how is he going to go sit at the Father's right hand if he still has all those sins? My sins. He doesn't. He doesn't. He leaves them. They, they're dead and buried. Do you see the, the concept of being baptized? When you go under the water, you're washed clean. You come up. A new person. A new creation. So he went up to the Father. He's, and my sins were converted along with Jesus. Right next to Jesus. As righteousness. And he's holding my righteousness right there with God. It's my righteousness. He paid my price for death. And he's holding my righteousness for him for when I go back. Right. When I go up to him to get my glorified body. You understand that? It's on account. It's on the account. If I do not believe that Christ did that for me. That I'm forgiven of my sins then I have no righteousness with the Heavenly Father. And it's not imputed towards me. In fact, sin ends up being imputed to me. Turn a couple of pages over to chapter 4. And notice how Paul puts it here. Verse 1. And when we shall say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh... For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. Notice how it says here, and then it's accounted to him for righteousness. It means that God is saying, I declare you are righteous. Even though you're a sinner, you're still a natural man, and you still screw up, and you still have bad thoughts, and all that. God in his power, declares you righteousness. See, it means the same thing, but it doesn't mean that you're sinless. You understand? See, he had it figured out. It's an equity deal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a matter of checks and balances, like this. He balanced everything out. 
He knew you're going to screw up. He knew you're going to need help. He sent his son. His son paid the price. He made it so that you could be in a righteous standing before him so you could go to him in prayer and so that he could talk to you and you could have a love relationship with him. He had it all covered, all bases covered. And the only way to get there is through faith alone. Turn back to Romans chapter 1. Look, we always read 16. What about 17? It says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You're justified by faith, by faith alone. God says it's okay. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. We have an advocate in Jesus. Johnny Cochran ain't got nothing on Christ. Nothing. So, the, also in Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In other words, you won't be able to have the faith in order to have yourself justified by God if you're not listening. It takes that kind of faith. Going back to uh, chapter 4 and verse 8, chapter 4 and... He says in verse 4, Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David, who, des who describes the blessedness of the man whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. It's a, in other words, it's a good thing he's not holding you accountable for what you did. Huh? That's what that means. It means it's a good thing you got Jesus and he's not counting that. In fact, he's putting righteousness on your account instead of the penalty of death watch watch for what god's doing for you in your life where he wants you to serve because uh, you know what if that moment's going to come and then you're going to remember you know what i'm justified by faith amen pastor george thanks if you like the show, just include us in your feed. Subscribe and turn on notifications for updates. Visit us at virtueeffects.com. At virtue, no L, and effect, all one word, dot com.